Greetings, Retreat Church. Good to be with you again today. And, um, you know, sometimes we often get discouraged when we look at immediate circumstances and we um, have challenges or have difficulty seeing the bigger picture. And um, sometimes the immediate struggle in our life, the immediate issue, the today problem, um, really gets us into a place where it just becomes everything that we see, you know? And um, sometimes when we need that encouragement to kind of make it through and deal with that issue, sometimes we need to back away from it a little bit and try to see the big picture of what our life means and our big picture of what God is doing in the world and the big picture about what God is doing in our families and in our own personal life. And when we look at that big picture, not only does the immediate seem to get smaller, but it seems to find a place. It seems to um, look familiar maybe to some other problems that took place in the past, to some other activities that God has walked His people through in the past. And we start seeing how um, God has been victorious and, and how problems have turned out to be blessings and about how struggles um, turned out to be shaping moments. And we start to get some courage and we start to um, get some encouragement and we start to get some strength and we start to see hope begin to arise again and we start to see um, the ability to move forward and to properly put in perspective and to properly deal with wisdom and with care and with grace and with love the problems that we face. But when we um, only look at our current today problem from um, our very close vantage, vantage point, we tend to break down in fear we tend to panic, we tend to um, do things that are counterproductive, we tend to lash out at people, we tend to do a lot of things, we tend to abandon God, and we tend to try to take on our life in, in, in our own way and start to say, you know what, maybe the spiritual disciplines and maybe following Jesus is not working for me because it's landed me here in this problem. And so I want to encourage you today by, by just telling you very simply that encouragement is available by looking at the big picture, okay? And we see in our text in Acts chapter 13 that in their world in the first century when the church was spread out and the church was being persecuted and all that they had um, thought to be normal and many things that they thought were essential, God had kind of moved them out of. In, in moving them in, in, a, in a direction that was scary, moving them in a direction that was unfamiliar, moving in a direction that made them feel disconnected from who they are and, and who, who their families have been. And God was doing this powerful work in the world, and they were discouraged. They needed some encouragement, and you know what? It's okay to need encouragement. If you are facing difficulty today, if, if this six-month pandemic is now really starting to wear on you, then maybe you need some encouragement, and, and it's okay to be a Christian and need encouragement. It's okay to be a Christian and need, need someone to come alongside you and tell you that things are going to be okay, and it's part of following Jesus. And I don't want you to get discouraged in the fact that you need encouragement. Isn't that kind of weird? <laughs> um, 
but I want you um, to not feel that you're not a Christian, that you're not a good Christian, that you're not following Jesus if you are in need of encouragement. I know a lot of Christians have come to me in the past and have said, Pastor, I thought Christians were overcomers. I thought Christians were always full of hope and joy and courage, and, and, and people can face things, and Christians can face things with, unlike anybody else can, and then they felt way too normal for being discouraged. And you know what? Discouragement is all through the Bible. God's people get discouraged, and God's people need each other. And so today, um, if you're discouraged, don't feel alone. Um, don't feel um, guilty. Don't feel like discouragement is some sort of sin. Um, but you're in the company of many, and you're in the company of some really good followers of Jesus. And um, when you look at this text today, um, it's very um, interesting the way encouragement was requested and then provided, okay? So that's where we learn our lesson today in the fact that in this first century setting in the book of Acts chapter 13, um, encouragement was requested, and then we have to look at how um, encouragement was provided, okay? So the first thing that we notice in the text, starting in verse 16, we come to see that, I'm sorry, that's not verse, yes, it is verse 16, it's verse 13. Where is it? It's verse 13. I'm even looking at my notes. Isn't that great? All right, so it's verse 13 where we're starting, and it is this. Now Paul and his companions set sail for Paphos and came to Persia in Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. That statement there um, will be dealt with in a little bit, okay? But they went on to Persia and came to Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. Isn't that interesting? So here, in this situation where encouragement is requested, it is requested from people that were um, sent by God. It was requested from people that had been reading the Word of God and reading the prophets and had been teaching the Word of God. And as they were teaching the Word of God, other leaders and elders came to them and said, guys, if you have anything encouraging to say. So that to me is kind of funny um, because here they were just giving them the Word of God, giving them what the prophets had taught, connecting the prophets to Jesus, and the people of, of their day did not find that encouraging at all. They were like, um, thank you that you've given us that, but if you have any encouragement to say, it's almost like um, if we get to the end of this message after you've listened to the whole thing and you go, well, did you have anything good to say? <laughs> did you have anything that was going to make me feel better about my situation? And this was like, if you come to me after church and you say to me, pastor, or you send me an email, you say, pastor, would you please give me something encouragement, encouraging? I, I, would, I would tend to believe that you found my message to be discouraging, that you left this encounter going, well, now I feel horrible. Um, thanks for the message. Thanks for the scripture. Thanks for the gathering together, because now I just feel bad. So here after teaching the word of God, they can, will you give us anything encouraging. And what they were dealing with was a sense of that one of their um, partners, John Mark, had, had abandoned them, had left. So here were these people that were preaching the Word of God, giving the, the, 
the, the prophecy to the people, giving the Word of God to the people, dealing with some of their ministry partners leaving and going home. And so they're in this state, you know, and if you've ever taught a lesson, if you've ever preached a sermon, if you've ever tried to deliver a Word of God from someone and, and they come to you and say, well, now would you tell me anything good? Maybe you would be discouraged. Maybe you would be, well, what do you think I've been doing? And by the way, someone just left us. Someone that was serving with us just left and and now you're asking me to give you something encouraging. So, what happened was Paul put on his uh, big boy um, garments, his big boy pants, and his big boy tunic, and he went ahead, and what did he do? Let's see. He gives us this. He gives us encouragement from looking at the big picture. This is one of those places in the New Testament where you get a very short, concise summation of the Old Testament. So if you don't know your Old Testament very well and you want to get a good little grip on the Old Testament, just simply read the text of today, which is Acts 13, chapter, verse 13 through 52. You'll get this kind of summary. So it's interesting that Paul was requested to provide some encouragement, and then he went back and he summarized he summarized their covenant with God. He summarized what God had been doing in his people for generations. And from this perspective, from what Paul does and how Paul gives this encouragement, we learn that encouragement is available by looking at the big picture. So let's look at a few things that Paul provides for his people. First of all, um, big picture reminders help us see how God has shaped us, okay? Big picture reminders help us see how God has shaped us. And I'm not going to read to you today verse 16 through 41. You're going to have to do that on your own. And by the way, if you're a regular um, listener or viewer to our YouTube channel, um, it's going to really help you if you follow up. You're watching the videos with personal reading of the Scripture yourself and spending some time alone with God to be able to receive more. Just watching these videos or listening to the podcast um, probably is not going to be sufficient for um, solid, sustainable spiritual growth. You're going to need to spend some time with God alone. So that's why I'm constantly telling you, take this passage and read it. What I hope you discover, among many things that you may discover, is that this idea that the big picture reminders help us see how God has shaped our lives. Because what Paul does is he reminds them of how God formed them into a nation. He reminds them of when they were slaves. He says, now that you're in this position of being spread out all over the world and you're preaching the gospel and things are challenging and things are difficult and you're outside of your homeland, he said, let me remind you that God has shaped you. God has shaped you before you had a homeland, before you had a place to call your own. Because remember, he was going into Gentile territory starting in the Jewish synagogues. And so he had to teach them that what you're dealing with now has been dealt before. And in fact, God has shaped his people and built them from a family into a nation while being in a foreign land, while, be, while being under the grips of slavery. And they were dealing with Roman suppression. The first generation of Israelites, they dealt with Egyptian persecution and slavery. And so he's helping them see that God has shaped them through things like this before. And so in the second issue, when we start moving deeper into the passage, we come to understand that the big picture reminders help us see our purpose. 
So the first thing Paul did was he said, let me tell you how God has shaped you and formed you through similar circumstances in the past. And then he says, let me show you how God has formed your purpose through challenging and difficult circumstances. Notice what he says starting in verse 24. He says, before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, what do you suppose that I am? Am I not he? He says, I'm not. I'm not the one you're looking for. John says, no, but behold, after me, one is coming, the sandals of whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. You remember that from the gospel story. So here's Paul preaching this. Here's Paul reminding them of this. Paul backing up and saying, let's go back to John the Baptist ministry and understand how this thing has been shaped. It says, verse 26, brothers, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. So he tells them, first of all, your identity has been shaped in prior ways in Egypt like it is being shaped now under Roman suppression. And then he says, we, John the Baptist was given a message and he has now given the message to us that it was John the Baptist's purpose to preach the message leading up to the ministry of Jesus. Now we that follow the earthly ministry of Jesus are carrying on message. Verse 27 says, for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of his prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. Now notice, remember the context in which Paul was requested to give some encouragement. It was in the context of after he read the prophets. Remember that. So the people of God are prone to ignore the prophecies and the promises of God. And here is this same thing. So in the context of he's read them these promises and prophecies, and then the people come and say, would you give us something encouraging? See, they're ignoring what he's already given them. So he backs up. He begins to give them this big picture perspective. Part of the big picture perspective is reminding them that their fathers very recently, the people that the fathers all throughout the Old Testament had ignored the, the, the prophecies, and just very recently in their experience, those that have ignored the prophecies and the message of John the Baptist actually condemned and crucified Jesus, and now he's giving them encouragement, but he's also warning them, do not follow in the ignoring of the prophecies. Don't follow in ignoring the message that you've been given to give out. And he goes on. And though, verse 29, and when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. God raised him up from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. And now here's the key phrase who are now his witnesses to the people. So that's what they've become. That they've heard the message. That all that the prophecies, all the prophecies about Jesus' first coming had now been fulfilled and they've been handed this message. And now in the context of having the message, they've become discouraged because of the immediate problems they face. 
And so Paul is saying, if I'm going to encourage you, I'm going to have to tell you that in similar situations, you have been shaped. That in similar situations, you have been given a message. So he's backing up, showing him the big picture, saying you've been shaped and you've been given a message. Thirdly, Paul tells him, and we begin to understand, that big picture reminders help us see God's fulfilled promises. So, big picture helps us see our shape, helps us see our message and our purpose, and finally helps us reconnect with the promises of God that we're beginning to doubt and discouragement is starting to set in. We're starting to wonder if God's promises will ever be fulfilled. And Paul writes this, as recorded by Luke in chapter 13, verse 32. And he says, And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, see the big picture, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second psalm. And he's quoting the psalm when he says, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessing of David. Therefore, he says also in another psalm, you will not let your holy one see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God and his, in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with the fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. The promise of forgiveness of sin. The promise of freedom from sin. You see, they were so stuck in the fact that they were um, not in their normal circumstances, that they were not in their normal setting, that they were not doing the things that they expected to be able to do in their life, that they had lost sight of the fact that the promise all along was that God would forgive them of all of their sin and that God would bring about a Messiah to forgive their sin and reconnect them with their Creator. And they had missed sight of that. They lost who they were and how God had shaped them. They had lost what their purpose was. They had lost the blessing and the fulfillment of the promise that God had already given them. And sometimes when we are so very discouraged, when we are burnout, when we are full of remorse, when we are full of doubt, what we're forgetting is our shape, our purpose, and the promises that God has fulfilled in our lives up until this point. And we tend to forget, and we tend to um, remember only the bad things, and we tend to focus only on what is right in front of us, and we forget to look back and see how God has been shaping us and calling us and forgiving us and moving us forward. So in this then, Paul says in the end of this text, he says, beware therefore lest what is said by the prophets come true about you. And he quotes the prophets by saying, Look, you scoffers, be astonished and perished, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if someone tells you. So Paul says, wait a minute. Before you let your discouragement blind you from everything that God is doing in your world, before you let discouragement blind you from the blessing, the promise, the shape, the purpose of your life, he says, remember 
that there are some that fail to see everything that God has been doing and that is doing. And my fear today for the church of Jesus Christ is that we get so discouraged by the things we can't do right now, that we get so discouraged by the negativity and the division and all of the problems that we fail to see what God is doing. And we need each other so much in this time. And if you're dealing with things um, personally that have become so very large for you, that have swallowed up your whole perspective in life, you need the help of those around you. You need the help of fellow believers to help you see your shape, to help you see your purpose, to help you see the promises that God has fulfilled in your life. And if you don't get the help of others, my um, concern is that this immediate circumstance that we're living in is going to swallow up your whole life. And you will be like these people prophesy that says, I'm doing a work, but they don't see it. I'm doing great things, but they don't see it. So I believe that we can encourage each other in this way. And I believe that that's part of the very um, fabric of why it is important that Christians meet together and why, as the pastor of the retreat church, I push us being together and um, being together outside for now. That's what we're doing on Sunday mornings. We're being outside together right now. Um, we're being together via Zoom, okay? We're meeting together. We're, we're connecting with one another. We're hearing from one another. We're speaking to one another. Yes, it's not in the same physical room, but we are gathering together, maybe in new ways, maybe in ways that use technology that you're not comfortable with, maybe in ways that aren't like what we did six months ago. But I believe that as we gather together in whatever shape or form or context or use of technology that that might be, that the gathering together will bring encouragement that helps us see the big picture so that we, we do not get swallowed up in the immediate struggle. Notice what Hebrews says in chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, very familiar text often used in these circumstances when the writer says this, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Are you holding fast today? Are you holding fast to the confession of your faith that Jesus is in fact God in the flesh? Do you hold to fast to your confession that Jesus, in fact, raised from the dead and is the answer to all of the problems that we face? And if collectively and individually we would follow Jesus in the way that we treat one another and the way that we um, respond to the authorities, the way that we're supposed to care for the broken and care for the for the um, outcast, if we're supposed to do that, if we're supposed to take all of the wonderful gifts that you have, your brilliance, your intelligence, your creativity, your abilities to do amazing things, can you take all of those things and bring them into a context that when you are following Jesus, that you are using all of those wonderful things that make you you, you're using them to bless others and you're using them to further the cause of Christ? You see, as we gather together and we do that, I believe that there are amazing people of God, amazing people of God with gifts, talents, abilities that will shape the next generation.
But if we are disconnected with one another, if we are short-sighted with one another, if we, are t- if we are just focusing on what we can and cannot do, if we are just focused on what we do not have, then we will lose sight of our shape. We will lose sight of our purpose. We will lose sight of the message that we've been given. And we will become non-effective in shaping the next generation for Jesus and non-effective in bringing the encouragement that the world so desperately needs. The world does not need any more slogans. The world does not need any more acronyms. The world does not need any more shouts, any more violence, any more hatred, any more division. It needs the people of God to come together to take a big picture look at what's going on in the world, knowing that God has walked his people through worse times, through similar times, through tragic times. He's shaped them through unimaginable situations to become his people with his message fulfilling his purpose. And and the author of the Hebrews goes on to say, for we who have promised, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider, notice this, and let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. Focus on that word stir for a second. What are you stirring up today? (laughs) What are your comments to other people stirring up is it stirring up further division, further hatred? Um, is it stirring up love and compassion? Is it stirring up good works? Are your words producing good in others? So before you hit send, <laughs> before you hit that little click, that little up arrow, before you hit that, I want to ask you a question. What are you stirring up? Because the church of Jesus is supposed to be stirring up love and good works. And that will only happen if you take a big picture perspective of what is going on in the world. If you get locked into your own personal circumstance and you get very short-sighted with God, you're just going to stir up fear. You're going to stir up hatred. You're going to stir up division. You're going to stir up doubt. But as the church of God comes together, Jesus says, hold fast to your confession. Stir up love and compassion and good works for one another. And then this, verse 25, not neglecting to meet together. Don't stop meeting together. Don't stop gathering. Don't be ridiculous and say, well, we have to wear a mask so we're not going. How ridiculous is that? That you would say, I would rather not connect and gather with God's people because I have to wear a mask. Or would you say, well, it's on Zoom, and so I'm not, I just, if I can't really sit with the person and be physically with them, I'm not going to gather. How silly is that? How immature is that? If it's, well, I only meet if it's in the building, it's outside. How silly and immature is that? And so notice, he does not tell us where to meet, how to meet, under what circumstances to meet. He just says, meet together. Gather together. And he says, as is the habit of some, some are neglecting this. Some are going away. Majority of churches, they're smaller and have fewer people gathering than before they did six months ago. He says, but be encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so we should be more encouraging 
today than we were six months ago. We should gather with more purpose than we did six months ago. We should gather with more consistency and more intentionality than ever before. I pray for you and I pray for me that we're able to take a big picture look at what God is doing in the world and we don't miss it and that we continue to gather together in new and in different ways, in outside, Zoom, whatever, phone call, isn't that crazy? Actually call someone on the phone, FaceTime's wonderful, share a video. I, I like to make stupid little videos and send them to my grandsons, just silly things, just connecting with them. And so let's pray together. Father, I thank you today for the wonderful people that are listening. And uh, Father, they, they love you, but they're discouraged. Some of them, Lord, don't know you. Maybe this video or this podcast has been shared with someone and they've rejected you. They've, they've failed to believe in you. And they're looking at immediate problems and they're saying, how can I believe in a God who allow? And then they look at their immediate problems. Help them, Lord, to see how you walk people through these situations, how you bring glory and strength and mercy and power and forgiveness and you bring courage and you shape people into wonderful human beings, beautiful human beings through tragedy, through hardship. You use all of those things to make people amazing. There are some amazing people in our world, some amazing physicians, amazing first responders, amazing teachers that are facing crazy circumstances, but they're still pouring their life into these wonderful children. And so, Father, for all those people that shape our culture, that shape our world, I pray your blessing upon every beautiful soul. And I pray, Lord, that they would not get short-sighted, but I pray that they would see the big picture and they would gain encouragement. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next time.